0: Hey, welcome to Politics by Faith. Thanks for being here. Wanna share for you here, if you, uh, if you would like, our latest special about climate change, The Green Agenda Exposed. Uh, at the end, we did a short segment on a Christian perspective of global warming. Uh, I'll just give you the, the quick gist of it is, uh, it will indeed all burn up. They are right about that. The world will burn up, but it has nothing to do with your combustion engine. Um, If you would like, you can just fast forward to the end there. But we also um, talked with Alex Epstein, who's amazing. There's no one better on this topic than Alex Epstein. And Mark Morano is a ton of fun and great too. Uh, He was at the COP28 conference, the UN conference in Qatar the other day. Um, He's at climatedepot.com. He's great. Great, great, great. So we talked to those two guests as well that I think you'll enjoy too. Uh, So uh, welcome, the Green Agenda agenda Exposed. Hey, America's the greatest country in the world. Thanks for being here. Today's special, The Green Agenda Exposed. Ah, global warming. It's not going anywhere. The left has found their way into every aspect of your life, and they are never going to let go of it. Nothing will stop them, no matter how much they're proven wrong, no matter how many of their predictions come and go. Like this one from Greta, Back June 2018, she said a top climate scientist is warning that climate change will wipe out all of humanity unless we stop using fossil fuel over the next five years. That was five years ago, and humanity still exists. And I believe, well, that tweet doesn't exist anymore. I think she deleted it on that day, to the day five years ago. It's like it's funny. It's like she was still holding out hope, like three days before the five-year anniversary. She's like, "Oh, maybe humanity will still be eliminated in the final moments, so and my prediction will still be true." It was not. By the way, here's Greta supporting Hamas. I think the only weirder thing than this is uh, "queers for Palestine," but this one's right up there, combining the uh, the plight of the Palestinians with climate ju- climate justice. But that's exactly the point. We need to know. This is is what we need to know. People with this worldview, it is the Marxist worldview. It's about the oppressed and the oppressors. Very simply put, I know we've talked about this many times before, but this is very important. The Marxist worldview, it's very simple. Oppressors, it's like white, straight men, Israel. Oppressors can do nothing good. And the oppressed can do no wrong. Ever. Now the left keeps pushing the limits as to what can do no wrong means. So right now we have a new line, which is, can we kill 1,200 Jews, women and children? And can that still be considered do no wrong? And indeed, yes, it can. That is, no, that is not wrong, apparently, to do. So they keep pushing the limit, But it's that same Marxist worldview framework which is why the far left supports the planet over human beings. Human beings are the oppressors, and the planet is the oppressed. Human beings are parasites who are killing the planet. Humans are oppressors, the planet is the oppressed. And there's only two ways to solve this problem.
1: wherever you download your favorite podcasts.
0: The, the first way, admittedly a little extreme, is to indeed, as Greta was sort of bemoaning, but not really, is to end humanity. Here's famous monkey scientist Jane Goodall.
2: If I just have this magic power, I would like to, without causing any pain or suffering, reduce the number of people on the planet because there's too many of us. It's a planet of finite resources, and we're using them up.
0: Yeah, gas chambers aren't painful, I hear The other way, so that's the first way to solve the problem of the oppressors, oppressing mother nature. The other way to solve the problem is a one world government, which is why of course these people love the UN because from the UN they can control your life in really profound ways and, and they will. Uh, from the food you eat, I remember when we f- I first heard about this and we all laughed about the left's goal to stop you from eating meat and then it was a couple years after that, um, AOC talked about it, and I think people are still laughing at her, but it's, they're serious and they'll do it. I mean, New York City right now, the New York City Public Schools, they have Meatless Monday and Vegan Friday. So we already got some social engineering at a very young age, but but they'll force it on you. Don't worry, they'll force, they're just talking about it at the, uh, the latest UN Climate uh, conference. We'll talk with Mark Moreno coming up in a little bit. He was at this event. And of course, they talk, they talk about this all the time. Bill Gates has been on this for a long time. It was 2013 when he first jumped into the lab-grown meat game where he uh, admitted that, he didn't admit. he said that uh, natural meat, that's what he calls it, natural meat is very inefficient. He wrote a book a couple years ago, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. And he said all rich countries should move to 100% synthetic beef. 100% and he's he assured us that we'll get used to the taste difference. Don't worry, you'll get used to it and that the meat, will it'll start to taste better over time. You just gotta give it some time, you'll get used to it. And Gates was uh, one of the first investors in Beyond Meat and Impossible Meat or Impossible Food or whatever, the two biggest meat fake meat companies in the world right now. One of my favorite pictures of all time, is from COVID. Do you remember the run on the grocery stores and everyone thought they were gonna die and maybe there wouldn't be enough food to feed my family. I don't know if we can survive. And shelves across the country totally wiped out with everything except for the section of fake meat. No, it wasn't bad. Sure, my whole family may die if we don't have enough food. I'm definitely not even that. Like there's there's no... That's great. But they won't, it's still there. Like that, all that fake stuff still in your grocery store today. They're not going to stop pushing it on you. And if you don't willingly accept it eventually, they'll force it on you. And don't even get me started on how they're going to make you eat bugs. I think mean, we did a special, did a whole hour on that one time. So you just can't, you can't laugh these people away. Oh, you can mock them. Please do. But you can't laugh them away. And don't think that you can dismiss these nutcases either. They're not going away. They're they're on a crusade to save the planet. They'll never stop. They'll never stop until there's no more ribeyes and you're happy with your crickets and maggots. They also wanna make everything uh, more expensive. Why? Because they have this, uh, this, this environmental worldview called small is beautiful, less is more. And one way to force you to buy less and use less is to make everything way more expensive. And the way to make everything more expensive is to make electricity more expensive. Here's John Kerry.
3: We ought to be transitioning out of coal. There shouldn't be any more coal-fired power plants permitted anywhere in the world. That's how you can do something for health. And the reality is that we're not doing it.
0: So, um, you know, the measure here is is really uh, sounding the alarm bell. I find myself getting more and more militant because I do not understand how adults who are in position of responsibility can be avoiding responsibility for taking away those things that are killing people on a daily basis. And, and the reality is that um, the climate crisis and the health crisis are one and the same. China builds two coal power plants a week. Pretty good. Uh, 36% of all global electricity is powered by coal. 20% of US energy is coal. And I guess, I mean, if you wanna get rid of coal power plants, like, okay. But there's no plan to replace it with anything. No plan to replace it with uh, nuclear or anything like that. It's just wind and uh, solar. So it makes everything more expensive. Also, there's nothing, and they want that. They want everything to be more expensive. So you use less, buy less, require less, and then help the planet. Stop being so oppressive, oppressor. And there's nothing the left can't blame on climate change. This is another benefit of climate change or why it's going nowhere. This is Al Gore talking about mental health in America. You know, there's a, there's a mental health crisis around the world, Jake, that we hear people talking about. I think that one of the main reasons for that uh, is that young people look uh, at the f- fact that we are not yet solving the climate crisis or dealing with some of these other challenges, uh, and we hear this word thrown around, polycrisis. Well, solving the climate crisis is a poly solution. We know what to do. We have the means to do it. And we have to make sure of that we make the right political choices in our democracy to enable ourselves to make the right choices. I've never heard the word polycrisis before. Have you, have you ever heard that word? Never heard it. But the goal here, it seems, is to make it seem incredibly complicated. And because the problem, it's, it's a polycrisis, and it's the problems are so convoluted and so complicated and so multifaceted that there's no way we can do this on our own. We, we need, we got to get everyone to the table. We need, we need one government who can just really solve it once and for all. And we need everyone to be forced to play their role. By the way, this is Al Gore's house. This is his uh, 10,000 square foot house in Nashville, and then uh, he's got another one. He's got a beach house in California. Bought it 13 years ago for uh, it's right on the it's right on the right on the water. Bought it 13 years ago for nine million dollars. So I can't even fathom what that thing is worth right now. Weird place to put a house if you think the sea levels are rising, but whatever. The media lined you constantly, as always they will never really fess up. This is uh, one of the Project Veritas videos, one of the CNN technical directors admitting that they will always fall back on climate change.
2: Our focus was to get Trump out of office, right? Without saying it, that's what it was, right? So our next thing is going to be for climate change. Awareness. What does that look like? I don't know. I'm not sure. I have a feeling it's just going to be like constantly showing videos of like, decline and ice and weather warming up and, like, the effects it's having an economy and, and really... Who The head of the network, like, just... Who's that? Is that Zucker? Zucker, yeah. I imagine that he's got his council and they've all, like, discussed, like, where they think, um... So that's, like, the next pandemic, like, story, like, that will, yeah, that will... Yeah will be to death but that one's got longevity you know what i mean it's not like there's a definitive ending to the pandemic or you know like it'll taper off to a point that it's you know not a problem anymore probably i think it's going to take years so they'll probably be able to milk that for quite a bit
0: you know they sure will Here's the bottom line. I was talking to someone who worked in Trump's State Department, and she said the entire driving focus when she was at the State Department, wherever they went around the world, and whatever problem they were confronted with, was America first. Things can be complicated, but if you have a single framework of America first, and you funnel everything through that worldview, it can make things easier to handle and make sense of. So their mantra was America first. And she said the left's guiding principle, and this administration's guiding principle, is climate change. So all roads fall back to climate change. every decision they make is, well, how does this affect climate change? How do we solve climate change? What can we do for climate change? And so you got to give me an example of that. She said, okay, well, the Biden administration, they go to China and they have to decide, are we going to speak out against their ongoing genocide against the Uyghurs? Or do we leave that alone so that we can try to get more uh, concessions out of China with climate change? And maybe they can only build one coal plant, power plant, power plant instead of two every single week. And they choose that one because that's more important to So it's a real trade-off of Biden's team, and they do this all the time. And they make that trade-off because, as Joe Biden said, anyone who willfully denies the impact of climate change is condemning the American people to a very dangerous future. He's no different than any of the rest of them. The great Alex Epstein, coming up next, then Mark Moreno from Climate Depot, and then we'll end up the show talking about what the Bible says about this issue. Might be the opposite of what you expect. It's all coming up right here on The First TV. Spread the word. This podcast is brought to you by Patriot Gold Group. Gold is now over $2,000 an ounce. And there's no secret why it all makes perfect sense. First, there's a direct correlation to the national debt and the price of gold. You throw in there a lot of similarities with the 70s. Uh, 79, Iran hostage crisis, war in the Middle East, cities just in total disarray, stagflation, and gold in 1974 was $158 an ounce. And in 1980, just six years later, it was $850 an ounce. It's a five, six X in just a couple of years. Uh, and then again, our debt now is, is no sign of stopping. Call Patriot Gold Group, they're the best. They're the best gold deal. there's a lot of them. Patriot Gold Group are our guys. one 617 6122 just buy some gold. You can have it, just own gold. And also, you can talk about a no-fee-for-life IRA. Your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver as well. Get a free investor's guide. Talk about your options. Think about it. Pray about it. one 617 6122 Consumer Affairs. Top-rated gold IRA deal seven years in a row. Pretty cool. 1-888-617-6122 or patriotgoldgroup.com. <laughs> The climate crisis is a fossil fuel crisis. We need to stop drilling for fossil fuels completely.
2: We will rid ourselves from our current dependence on fossil fuels. The fossil fuel industry and the future of humanity are fundamentally
0: incompatible. Ultimately, we and the whole world need to reduce our dependence on fossil fuels altogether. That's great. Good friend, Alex Epstein, Epstein, The uh, Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. You must buy The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. That's his older book, still relevant as ever, and his newest is Fossil Future. Gotta get that, of course, as well.
1: Alex, how we doing, brother? Doing great, Mike. Uh, I disagree with all those comments, so we have a lot to how talk about. How can that about. be? <laughs> Why are they wrong? Um. Well, they're wrong for a very simple reason, which is that they're criticizing something and calling for its elimination while ignoring its benefits. So imagine if you did this with antibiotics, you said, well, I don't like the side effects of antibiotics, so let's get rid of antibiotics. But what about the benefits of antibiotics? And and fossil fuels, it's particularly striking because they're actually even more beneficial than antibiotics and even more irreplaceable for the near future. I mean, fossil fuels provide us with low cost, reliable energy on a scale of billions of people in thousands of places. This allows people to use machines to improve their lives instead of living the poverty and endangerment of manual labor lives. And we still have 3 billion people in the world who use less electricity than a typical American refrigerator And also, fossil fuels help us be safer than ever from climate. So we're safer than ever from disasters like storms and floods. If you actually look at the death rate, which the opponents of fossil fuels don't, that death rate is down by a factor of 50 from climate disasters over the last 100 years. So fossil fuels are just like the most beneficial thing in the world. They have no (laughs) near-term replacement. We can talk about that. And people are ignoring this just in the name of, of only fixating on and exaggerating negative side effects. It's
0: pretty amazing that the most beneficial thing in the world To be so effectively demonized and bought by so many people. It's not just a kind of effective thing, it's the most important thing to our human flourishing. Uh, And this is one of my favorite things that you've always written about is this anti-human worldview. Can you speak to that a little bit out of these people?
1: Yeah, so there's this question of, well, if this is really the most beneficial thing, and I think the facts really bear out. That it is. And it in fact protects us from the thing they're concerned about. Like it it makes us safer from climate to the point where in the US, right, we can deal with any climate imaginable, whether it's polar Alaska or swampy Florida or scorching Texas, doesn't matter, right? If you have a lot of energy, you master climate. So why would you be so afraid of one degree or two degrees of climate change? It doesn't make any sense. So then you think, well, what's driving this? Why are smart people doing this? And the ultimate answer is that they're not really optimizing for human life or what I would call human flourishing. When they're thinking about the planet, they're not thinking about, I want it to be the best possible place for humans to flourish. Because if you believe that and you know anything, you have to be pro-fossil fuels for the foreseeable future, they want the planet that is least impacted by humans. That's the overriding goal, whether some of them realize it, some of them don't, but they're optimizing for a planet where humans have as little impact as possible. And that's why they hate the idea of man-made climate change. Not because it's so bad for us, like we're thriving despite whatever climate change is occurring. It's because they think it's wrong for us to impact nature including climate, and that's an anti-human view. I mean, what if you had the view that lions shouldn't impact nature, that beavers shouldn't impact nature, that birds shouldn't impact nature. You would think of the person as anti-lion, anti-beaver, anti-bird. Same thing with humans. If you hate human impact, you hate human beings. They're pretty explicit about
0: it too from time to time. We played the clip in the first segment of Jane Goodall saying if she had one dream in the world that would be to uh, get our population down to what they were, whatever, hundreds of years ago. So, how are they? have you gone one step back further as to where that comes from, that anti-human view?
1: Yeah, and just so you know how anti-human it is when you talk about the population of the past, we have 8 billion people, right? It wasn't too long ago when we had 1 billion people. If you're talking about the recent past, like 200 years ago, you're talking about 1 billion people or less than 1 billion people. I mean, how do you expect to get there? Nobody's allowed to have kids and you're killing a lot of people, right, one way or another. So it's it's just such a murderous thing to just casually talk about a billion people or half a billion people. And I just want yes. to highlight that, how anti-human that is. Now, in terms of where it comes from, there's a, a there's a very interesting kind of history of it, because in a sense, it's a modern perversion. What you have in primitive times is a kind of nature worship where you are afraid of you're against human impact not because you think humans are bad but you're just afraid of nature god's punishing you so you're afraid like if i do the wrong rain dance or like it's going to cause problems or something like that or if i do this it's angering the gods and you don't have a physical understanding of how the world works so it's kind of understandable but the modern version really says it's not really the belief that our impact is just going to destroy us although they they definitely promote that it's really that there's something bad about humans, and and we're bad, and we're bad in relation to the rest of nature. So it's like this original environmental sin that we have, so we're the evil ones, and the rest of nature is good. And I think what's happened with this view, which has existed for a long time, but it was really popularized in the American and European school systems in the 60s and 70s, the political left in those places, and this was very well documented, including by Ayn Rand, whom I'm a huge fan of, in her book, The Anti-Industrial Revolution, it was documented that they wanted a new cause once communism was failing. And one of the causes that they picked was, let's oppose capitalism because it's against nature and against the environment. But they weren't thinking of it as, let's have a good environment for human beings. They were thinking of it as, no, we're, the environment is something superior to us. The non-human is superior to the human and we should sacrifice to it. And they they just put that through the schools and embedded it in everyone's thinking. Yes. Brilliant.
0: Fantastic. Um, and the Anti-Industrial Revolution. Gosh, I haven't thought of that book in a while. i got to get back to it. Um, Trump the other day said, if I'm, when I'm dictator on day one, I want to drill, drill, drill. And I think it was Joe Scarborough or someone said, that's ridiculous. We're now drilling for more oil now than we've ever drilled before. What's the truth on our oil production here in America and what we need to understand about oil independence, which I think is just a term that people throw around, but I'd really like to get a better definition of what that means.
1: So in terms of dependence, I think the best term is security, energy security, um, oil security. Because independence has this implication of you're producing every, sing, every, every single thing yourself, like you're a subsistence farmer or something, and that's not doesn't quite capture it. What you want is a high security of supply. I mean, the main thing you want is just cost effectiveness, but you want that. That part of that is obviously it has to be secure. If it's insecure, it's not truly cost effective. The cost effectiveness is an illusion, which you saw somewhat with Europe and you know dependence on Russia for uh, for natural gas in particular. So so that's the issue of, um, you know, in terms of our, like, we want to be secure. Now in terms of the supply, it's really remarkable to me how dishonest this is because basically Biden ran on, I guarantee you we're going to end fossil fuel, kind of like Obama ran on, I'm going to end the tyranny of oil, the age of oil must end in our time. And then what happens is they're not as successful at restricting production as they intend to be. And then they take credit for that. They say, hey, look, production's not so bad under administration. Yeah, but that's because of the people who opposed you, not because of you. So there were certain dynamics in place that were increasing production, but Biden has done his best to suppress production. So he certainly suppressed production relative to what would have occurred. And most importantly, he is threatening the future of production, you don't get lower gasoline prices by changing your policy today and it affects today, it's the policy of yesterday. So he is hurting many, many future tomorrows through his energy policies.
0: Great point. So technological progress, we live in an era where it gets better and chips get smaller and processing speeds get faster, et cetera, et cetera. So what do you make of the argument that sure, Alex, right now it's gonna take a lot of solar panels. It's gonna take a lot of batteries in order to make up for whatever. I remember on your website, uh, you had a great uh, facts about Elon Musk said, oh, we can have all the world's energy in this area. And you're like, no, no, it would require like the whole planet to be covered with solar powers and batteries. But Alex, things get better. Batteries are going to get smaller, more efficient, more effective. We got to get this process moving now so that one day we'll be able to
1: get there. What do you say to that? Well, with the Elon thing, yeah, people can check it out at energytalkingpoints.com. It's not the whole planet, but it's like more than all of human development. So it's a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of space. And that's a perfect example of... The, the, the fallacy in what you're saying, because it's obviously something true in that technology improves. But technology improves based on its physical potential and based on economic reality. You don't, the way an economy improves and technology improves is you don't just randomly pick things. Like Apple says, hey, I want a renewable phone, so let's make the phones out of wood. And that oh, that'll work great because technology is great. Right? No, no, that violates physics. That violates economic reality. That violates functionality. And when you're talking about replacing fossil fuels, you have to recognize why they're so effective in the first place. And as I talk about, particularly in Chapter 5 of Fossil Future, fossil fuels are naturally concentrated, which is incredibly valuable. They store a lot of energy in a small amount of space. Wind and solar don't. Fossil fuels are naturally stored. So they're like a natural battery, which ends up being very, very cheap compared to having to store energy on your your own. Solar and wind aren't a natural battery, they're natural intermittent flows of energy. So you have to have man-made storage if you want to use them on their own. And then they're also naturally abundant, which in a sense, solar and wind are too. But if you're gonna replace fossil fuels or try to replace them, you need to respect you know, physics, you need to respect economic reality and nature to be commanded must be obeyed. So the green movement saying, hey, we want to replace fossil fuels with solar and wind, and then waving their hands and saying technology will do it. And somehow freedom will do it, which they're suddenly allegedly in favor of freedom, even though they want to dictate the solution. That's not freedom. That's not technology. If you're really pro a good replacement for fossil fuels long term, you look at nuclear because nuclear is naturally concentrated, naturally stored, much more concentrated than fossil fuels. But yeah, this green movement, the fixation on solar and wind is not an attempt to come up with better energy. It's an attempt to come up with an excuse for rapidly eliminating fossil fuels and quote protecting the climate from our evil impact. It's just hand waving that says, oh, don't worry, we've got a replacement, even though it makes no sense at all. That's right. All right, last
0: question for you. When you get tapped to be the energy secretary
1: in the Trump White House, what's the first thing that you would do? Well, I'm definitely not going to be energy secretary. I'm happy to be, I advise about 200 major political offices, I'm very happy doing that. I'm happy to to advise President Biden if he wants my advice, or certainly Uh uh, a future Republican president as well, and I'll advise them much more broadly than energy because department of energy is actually pretty limited in what it does it has a lot of nuclear weapons type stuff i mean the major thing you need to do mm. is have a positive comprehensive what i call energy freedom Platform. And just very quickly, there are just five things you need to do that can totally transform America and the world. You need to liberate domestic development. You need to end preferences for unreliable electricity. You need to reform air and water emission standards to use true cost-benefit analysis, which EPA doesn't, which is a disaster. You need to decriminalize nuclear. And then you need to address CO2 emissions long-term, not by punishing America. But by liberating innovation in things like nuclear and deep geothermal and even solar and wind if they can ever manage to produce reliable electricity so i would say have a positive energy freedom agenda and really have good arguments for it and so that's what i do at energy talking points and people can check out more at energy no
0: one has thought about this more deeply and profoundly and, and logically energy talking alex Epstein. the moral case for Fossil Fuels and the newest book, Fossil Future. Go buy it. Alex, always good to talk to you, brother. Keep it up. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Great stuff. Mark Moreno from uh, ClimateDepot.com coming up next. Mike Slater on The First TV. Spread the word. The Public Square app. Have you downloaded it yet? What are, what are we waiting for? Listen, they've been our sponsor for a year now. You, Every single one of our... You must be downloading this app. You have to do it publicsq.com, and just you know, search in the app store for Public Square. Stop with the Amazon nonsense. Stop with giving your money to people who hate you. That is so the bottom line. You go to Public Square, you can find all these businesses that are owned by people who share the same values as you and I. Where you spend your money really matters, and we need to create a, a different economy. Listen, hopefully, you, you watched a show on the first TV. That's a different network. We're breaking away. Uh, this podcast is different. Breitbart News Daily is very different from the lamestream. We have to create different places. And it's been really hard in, in the marketplace to do it until Public Square came around and they did it. There's no one better. No one better. It's so good. There's no one better. There's no one like it. PublicSQ.com to read the five values that every business owner needs to uh, abide by and agree with in order to be featured on the app. And it's totally free for you. PublicSQ.com.
1: CFACT, in the tradition of just
0: say no to oil, decided to just say no to net zero by conducting a bus blockade at the UN Climate Summit in Dubai.
2: Say red meat, stop net zero. Say red meat, net zero. Say red meat, stop net zero. Say red meat, stop net zero. Say
0: red meat, stop net zero. All they were missing was the glue. They needed to, Mark. You needed to glue yourself. To the, to the the, the, the road. Uh, Climatedepot.com, author of The Great Reset, Global Elites, and the Permanent Lockdown, Mark Morano Mark, how you doing, brother? I'm
3: doing great, Mike, and yeah, by the way, we did glue ourselves last year at the COP 27 in Cairo, Egypt, we actually did at a museum there, and then we got fake handcuffed and arrested the same way AOC and Greta have done. You put your hands behind your back and a security yeah, yeah. guard escorted yeah. us out, so. <laughs> That's great, awesome.
0: Uh, so COP28, the Conference of the Parties at the United Nations, the 28th meeting, uh,
3: you were there, what, what did you see? Well, the way you said it, it makes it sound like such an August surrounding, you know, like so... so, so <laughs> okay, I mean, this literally is the end of Western civilization. That's literally what the stated goal is. This conference, when it ended finally, after almost two weeks, announced to the world that they were going to seek a fossil-fuel-free free uh, fossil fuel-free world. They were going to phase out fossil fuels. And this was the beginning of the end of fossil fuels. That, first of all, is insane. 100 years ago, 80% of our energy came from fossil fuels. Today, 80% of our energy comes from fossil fuels. No shift, despite massive propaganda, massive rhetoric, massive funding, massive mandates, massive regulations. They can't get the energy to shift. It's easier to transition your gender than it is the energy transition they're arguing about. So this conference ended with unbelievable rhetorical goals. The problem is, is we have virtue signaling leaders in the United States and Canada and New Zealand and Australia, all throughout Europe, who don't wanna be in, stand up to this agenda. So it ends up being baked in our laws. And this is how, from a conference like this, we can make all the fun of it we want and talk about how wacky they are, and I'll be happy to do that, and they were completely insane. But this furthers the collapse of energy, transportation, and uh, and food production. All of this conference says, because it's now baking into the goals of every Western nation, prosperous nation, previously prosperous, that we have to start planning, restricting, and regulations in every aspect of our life to how our pizzas are made, whether they're made in wood stove ovens, whether we're allowed to drive a car, where you can put your thermostat, how much meat you can eat. CNN had an article during the conference calling for carbon passports to limit your travel, just because flying is such a big contributor, of course, pushing insect eating, as well as the uh, Bill Gates-funded lab-grown meat and stem cells from a cow sheep mixed with fetal blood, put in a petri dish, put in then a steel vat, festered for a few months without eyes, a brain or bone structure, and then additives and coloring, and uh, you print it on a 3D printer. That's your new version of meat. Bill Gates actually says we don't need farms anymore. All of our meat for for at least the Western world can be grown in laboratories. And then at the same time, the UN had multiple fashion events. I am the first fashion correspondent. I went to the sustainable fashion event. They had red carpet events, they had multiple conferences. I interviewed the keynote speaker and she defended the idea of that Bloomberg report sponsored by IKEA and Google of three new items of clothing per year, per person uh, by 2030. And they said, it depends on what kind of clothes. If you're eating, if you're using, you know, hemp, organic hemp clothing, you can buy more than three new items of clothing. If Or if it's cockroach based clothing, I'm sure you could. But if you're doing synthetic fabrics, no, not going to happen. Or even wool. They don't want you to have an animal agriculture for any reason. So... That's just a little taste wow. of it. You had Al Gore there. You had Kamala Harris. You had John Kerry calling for them to coal and gas. You had all the people flying it on private jets. You had Richie Rich, the, the Prime Minister of England, his foreign secretary, and King Charles, all from England, fly on three separate private jets. Well, they push carbon passports for the rest of us to limit our travel. Gosh. So that was it. It's insane. What else to say?
0: They still haven't wised up to that. That's amazing. The, the private jet thing. They still don't figure that one out, um, or they just don't care. Um, All right, so Mark, I'm so glad you went in that direction because there was a period of time when this this wacky stuff was proposed and we would laugh at them. We'd be like, aha, you fools. And now it's like, oh, no, 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 Like they're serious. And some of these things are starting to get implemented. But help, help us connect the dot. How do you go from wacky idea in Doha, Qatar at a
3: UN conference
0: to truly affecting my life in a profound way?
3: Well, let's start. I, I don't want to get too long into this, but 1992, George H.W. Bush, Republican president, goes to the Rio Earth Summit. At the urging, by the way, Nikki Haley just got the endorsement of John Sununu, the governor. Wow, that's impressive. Her, His father, John Sununu, the chief of staff for George H.W. Bush, assured everyone that nothing was going to come of this Earth Summit and that Bush had to go to be a virtue signal. Well, he signed the bleep, bleep, Earth Treaty from the United Nations in 1992 that set up the Agenda agenda 21 Agenda, Sustainable Development, and set up the entire UN Climate Summit process. We have nothing other than a Republican president. Now, here's the difference. When you think of things like defund the police, remember, right after George Floyd, June of 2020, all the calls for defund the police and all the cities followed immediately. They implemented it. What happened? Within a year, Joe Biden, the Democrats, we have to refund the police as the cities went to outer Crap! There were crap holes with more crime and homeless and just complete chaos and disorder. They, you got to see in real time what happens. The climate agenda, energy, that has always been different. And what I mean by that is, in 2006, that's you know almost 20 years ago, Arnold Schwarzenegger was hailed as a climate hero for the California climate bill, ARB. I can't remember 72 or something. Literally nothing happened, but he was able to virtue signal. Five years, 10 years, still nothing happened. So all of these pledges were always pushed off just far enough so you could have world leaders sign the Paris Agreement and Copenhagen, Kyoto Protocol, all these UN pacts, and appear virtuous with no real impact. Well, the chickens have come home to roost, and it's finally time, plus with COVID and now with the Ukraine war and now with Israel war, all of these things have had major impacts on economies and on energy scale. We're seeing the collapse of all of that now. So that's what I'm saying, and it's all without democracy. This is the key, Mike. No vote was done to ban gas-powered cars. This was done through corporate government collusion, through unelected bureaucracy, Biden's EPA, Gavin Newsom, executive order, unelected bureaucrats at California Air Resources Board, corporate government collusion. We have corporate banks who say they won't give out car loans to anyone who buys a gas-powered car. Do you remember the U.S. Congress voting on this or ever authorizing this? Never happened. Not going to happen. Same thing with uh, happening now in transportation. Uh, with airline flights, all the climate compliance laws have creeped up. Bloomberg News, now you're not going to be able to afford cheap airline travel anymore due to climate compliance. Bill Gates is gobbling up farmland. They're going after high-yield agriculture. We saw what happened in the Netherlands. We saw what happened in Sri Lanka. John Kerry now is exporting those policies to the U.S., going directly after high-yield agriculture, going directly after methane and meat-eating. It's incredible. We didn't vote to ban meat-eating. We didn't vote during COVID to ban to ban church closures, uh, school closures, med- medical interventions, going to the hospital, weddings, studios, it was all just done by IR betters to, to save us. And that's where they've learned in this climate agenda. So it's accelerated dramatically just since March of 2020. We've got about one minute. Uh, apply this to Sorry, COVID to if you can. I did work in the Senate. No, 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 Sorry, no, no,
0: please, no. that's why you're right here. Uh, so, so apply this to COVID and let's put our Alex Jones hat on for a minute. Uh, and what this has to do with a one world government. I know that sounds crazy, but you just were there. I mean, you just saw like a world government
3: in action doing their thing. What does that look like? They're calling it global solidarity at this summit when I was in Dubai. And what it looks like is what's actually happening. The who, The World Health Organization is being now, by the United States being pushed to go further. They have a pandemic treaty that's now about to take effect. This is the idea of a treaty where Bill Gates funded scientists at the WHO can declare a pandemic and you could have global instant lockdowns without outliers like Sweden or Ron DeSantis in Florida. The Right before the summit, 200 medical journals urge the World Health Organization to declare climate change a public health emergency. You also have the Harvard School of Health saying unchecked climate change leads to more COVID-like viruses. You have Joe Biden being urged by AOC, by Chuck Schumer, by the Weather Channel to declare a national climate emergency. That would give Joe Biden 140, 130 new executive powers. NBC News reports that would give him COVID-like, basically bypassing democracy powers. So what they're looking for is a global authority that they can roll climate change and public health in together, and they can literally control the flow of information, our freedom of movement, our food supply, and our, and, uh, and our energy supply. And they're actually succeeding beyond their wildest dreams because they didn't expect the public, in their own words, this was in the words of Leslie Hoyle, a House of Commons. He they were shocked at how compliant the public was uh and obedient during COVID lockdowns. And that got him excited. We had the Teen mm-hmm. vote climate activists said the quiet part out loud. If we can shut down the world for a virus, we can do the same for climate. And that's exactly their goal. They want their decision is to have fewer and fewer people making more and more decisions and crush the middle class give us all universal basic income and you're going to have literally a ruling class soviet style politburo where they get all the benefits like john kerry do you know who i am i have to fly private someone for someone like me it's the only thing that makes sense because they're so important for you if you want to go to florida for your mom's wedding or a mom's birthday no that's not important in fact climate activists have said in a declared climate emergency, you can only fly when it's, quote, morally justifiable, unquote. And of course, CNN is promoting carbon passports. So that's it. And you don't need an Alex Jones hat. Last point. Everything I've just said is widely available from the podium at the United Nations, at the World Health, at the World Economic Forum. None of this is anonymous sources, secret documents. It's all out in the open. My book, The Great Reset, has hundreds of pages, uh, hundreds of um, footnotes, all of them to mainstream sources, corporate.
0: And how compliant will we be? That's the real question. Mark Morano, well, ClimateDepot.com. You just saw the book swoop across the screen. The Great Reset, Global Elites, and the Permanent Lockdown. Mark, you're the man. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. About coming next, we'll uh, bring this around. What does the Bible say about global warming? Talk about it next. Mike Slater, right here on The First TV. Spread the word. And hey, welcome back to our special The Green Agenda Exposed. The global warming fanatics are indeed right about one thing. The world will burn up. But it's not going to be because of your combustion engine. I want to share a couple thoughts here about global warming from a Christian worldview. Three points. First, Christians are called to be good stewards of creation. There's no question about that. Second point, do not idolize this creation. Romans 1 talks all about people who worship creation instead of the creator. That's what these wacky environmentalists do. They're more concerned about the, the rights of animals and trees than they are human beings who are made in God's image. Alex was talking a bit about this earlier. They got it backwards, of course. When you get things backwards, you're going to get things screwed up. That's why I ask all of us to avoid the term Mother Earth. It falls right into their trap. There is no Mother Earth. Only God creator third point the world will indeed burn up you know some uh, christians will say oh the, you know, the rainbow is a symbol that god will never destroy the earth mm, that's not what it says in genesis it says the rainbow is a sign of his promise that the waters shall never again uh, never again become a flood to destroy all flesh but that's not the same as saying he'll never destroy the earth he just said he won't destroy it by flooding it it's going to be destroyed by fire so when, when the earth is destroyed by fire, it will be quite warm. 2 Peter 3.10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So if you think that humans are a problem for the planet, just wait until you see what Jesus is going to do to it. it is gonna be such, it's going to be so hot. <laughs> the, all the hydrogen bombs that man could ever conceive of making all at once. And then what's going to come out of that? Well, it's Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. No need to get distracted by all these environmentalists. They may say they care about the environment, but they don't really. To them, it's just a way to worship an idol a pseudo way to give their life something that looks like a purpose. But they're not really environmentalists. They can't name you the the trees that are in their neighborhood or certain types of animals. They, They don't really care about nature. They just say they do. We should, though. We as conservatives, and Christians should. We should go out and enjoy nature. Get out there. We want it to be nice and clean and beautiful. But we don't have to worry about it being destroyed. Be a good steward, of course. That's point number one. Be a good steward. Don't don't intentionally make it dirty, right? But we don't need to worship it either. Every so often I see an article about the uh, number of animals that are going extinct this year. Take a guess of it. How many animals do you think are going extinct this year? Uh, It's something like 100. Like 100 animals go extinct. People are like, wow, that's unbelievable. That's terrible. 100 animals is something like 0.001% of all the species on the earth. It's fine. The Earth's fine. And also, and there's no articles ever written about this, but every year there's about 18,000 new species discovered, and only about half of those are insects. We think there's something like 1.7 million species on the Earth, but it's impossible to know. If you you counted them, it would take millions of years to try to categorize them all. You can't, you can't do it. So it's, it's way beyond what we can even fathom. Don't worry about the planet, is my point. The planet's fine. It will survive. Your Great Pacific Garbage Patch that doesn't exist—it'll survive your Anwar oil drilling. It'll survive your soda cans. It'll survive your oil spills. By the way, a vast majority of the oil that's in our oceans is from natural leakage. that's under, that's under the under the ground and under the in the ocean. It just comes up on its own. All right. So if anything, that's an argument that it's better to hurry up and get all the oil out of the ground so it stops leaking into the ocean on its own. The Earth's going to be fine. Let's enjoy it while we're here. But it was never made to be permanent. The planet's not eternal. There's a new heaven and a new earth coming. We did a series of podcasts around Thanksgiving about how we need to live our life, if I may suggest, like the pilgrims, with a posture of the pilgrim. And the way that the pilgrims viewed the world is that we're just passing through. We're pilgrims passing through. And the earth is a pilgrim too. It will be fine. We need to focus more on our creator and stop the worshiping of the creation. Listen, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. All the COVID and the global warming alarmists, it's all about fear. And you have nothing to fear. Job 14 says, your days are numbered. There's nothing you can do to extend them. So Job 14, your days are numbered. You cannot extend them. The same is true for our planet. Let's be good stewards of it. But no need to worship it. And the global warming people are right about something. It will one day all burn up. But that won't be your fault. Mike Slater, The Green Agenda Exposed. Thanks for being here on The First TV.